your home for snowflakes who don't want to be held accountable. My name's Nathan. You're most still going to be here at the end of the episode, host. <laughs> My name's Andy, your most edgelord host. And I'm Pat, your most social justice rogue host. Everybody chooses social <laughs> justice warrior, but I mean, I, I think as a class, just social justice rogue is just a better class. I like social justice bards myself. And Ooh, Andy, yeah. you Andy, you did a joke that was related to the opening of the episode. I'm so proud. Hey! I, I gotta throw you a bone every once in a while. <laughs> round of applause for that. Uh, well, you, you could definitely get canceled for that. <laughs> Anyway, how are you guys doing? What's what's going on? Good, man. Uh, so this week, some some family stuff going on. Like I said, my uh, my sister got married recently, and they went on their honeymoon. So um, they like shared a video of them in Santa Fe for their honeymoon. They're up in the mountains, and the view was like breathtaking. They had this like. Adobe house. I don't know if you're familiar with like Adobe building. Apparently everything in Santa Fe has to be Adobe. Like if they build a McDonald's, it's got to be built out of Adobe. It's like a, they have a local law. That's awesome. I like that. Neat. Uh, let's see. So I've been at the new job for a little while now and very, very happy and that's good. And so I've been doing this thing since the new year where I'm trying to get develop a bunch of new like daily habits. So every month I add a new daily habit. So January was flossing and brushing at night. But I was not in the, a good habit of that. Nice. Good for you. Then February I added practicing French on Duolingo for a few minutes. And like all of these things are just little, little things that just take a few minutes. But uh, I just feel... I feel good about that. It's been going really well, and I feel better um, about, you know, just sort of more consistency, day-to-day consistency in my life. That's a good thing. What's me. your March? What's your March habit? I, I That each month I would do a new 30 or 31-day challenge, physical challenge, like a fitness challenge. Oh, that's oh, cool. So this month has just been like a building, slowly building throughout the month, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, squats, and planks. Just kind of simple, basic, The you know, hit the basics. You know, then in April I'll pick a new one, but that's still the March habit, the, the habit I added in March, because it's still the fitness challenge. So you'll keep that for the rest of the year. Yeah. Nice. No, I mean, I think that's a great thing to be, like, working towards, and, yeah, like, the commitment is relatively low. If you're only going to spend, like, you know, half an hour on French each day, like, that's not, or, like, five Dude, minutes Dude, not even that, French. like, 15 minutes. Yeah, like, that's... I think that's great. And you can build towards something over the year. Like, I'm proud of you. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, and, like, doing it in bite-sized chunks like that, I think, is really smart. It makes it easier. It's low impact. It doesn't... It's not, cheap, like, an, an entire lifestyle change. There's just small little additions to my life that... um you know, we'll pay dividends. So that's awesome. Um, what what month think, do you start uh, wiping after you go to the bathroom? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't understand. Doing what? Uh, wiping. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you yeah. not have a bidet, sir? You took my joke and turned it around. I will say, I do have a bidet, and I use it all the time, and it is great. I highly Dude, I, recommend it to everybody. 
Hardcore want one. It's like 35, 40 bucks on Amazon, although I haven't I actually couldn't, I couldn't buy it on there anymore. You have to go to eBay. <laughs> right. I haven't brought it up with Caitlin and, and to 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 <laughs> scout her out on that. I feel bad because I bought it for Sarah for Christmas a couple of years ago. Because <laughs> it seemed like a good sort of like oddball idea. Like maybe she was gonna like it and maybe she wasn't. There's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer buys Marge the bowling ball that says Homer on it. And, like, I use it all the time, and she uses it, like, never, according to her. And so I feel like that bowling, like, I'm the guy uh, who bought the the bidet that says Nathan on it for his wife. <laughs> I think if it, if it did say Nathan on it, it would have been a much better gift. Yeah. For everybody involved. Um, it's This has been uh, the last week or so has been really rough, but there's been like huge downs and some like pretty major ups as well. Um, I've told you guys about this, uh, but uh, my sister-in-law's dad is, I don't know, like I'm not sure like what connection that gives us. uh, My father-in-law-in-law or something. Uh, But he's, he's very sick. And it just, like, keeps on getting worse. Uh, he had to go to the hospital the other night, and it doesn't look like he's going to end up coming back home. Um, he just just really sick. And uh, one of my aunts uh, is in the hospital, and she has limited time left. Like, terminal for uh, my sister-in-law's dad, terminal for my aunt. And then we found out the same day that we found out that my aunt wasn't going home. We found out that my other aunt, who lives across the country, also has terminal cancer and won't be going home either. It's just like, jeez, I'm so sorry. Wow. I, you've already told us about this, but it I mean, still sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is we, tough. My my family has been just tw- like tweeting dark jokes back and forth to each other. Um. My mom is the oldest of five sisters, and two of her sisters are dead, and, like, my other two aunts now have terminal cancer, and I keep on making, like, Highlander jokes about how she's getting more and more powerful. Oh, no. It's, it's really <laughs> terrible. bad. Wow. Um, Somebody might cancel you for a joke like that. Yeah. Um, but, so, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about that is good is I'm looking at pictures that my mom sent me and that she posted to Facebook. She just got her second COVID shot today. And I can't tell you the weight that takes off my, my chest. I just feel so elated about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my parents uh, are and and my dad's sister. So a bunch of my like parents and their siblings are getting their vaccines too. And it, it is huge relief. Yeah, and uh, Sarah gets hers next Monday, and I uh, was lucky enough to sign up for mine. I go in on Thursday for my first one, and uh, I'm very, very excited about that. It'll be nice to be able to, you know, hug my family again. Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about all that. Um, But it's just like, it, it is hard to feel fully happy about that uh, with everything else going on. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But uh, we've been, the other thing we've been texting back and forth is like, embrace the suck. <laughs> like, it sucks so bad. You just have to like fully embrace it. And the other dark joke we've been like <laughs> uh, t- 
tweeting back and forth uh, or texting back and forth is that, well, at least we get like a three for one. We get to mourn three people at once instead of having to do it in three separate uh, <laughs> sections. Aww. So I think it's going to be good. That's, <laughs> right. that's sad funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's a bummer. I'm sorry, dude. Um. So anyway, uh, but let's focus on the vaccine shots because that's inherently good news, and it'll let us move into our episode on yeah. a high note instead of a terribly, terribly low note. But today we're talking about cancel culture. Yeah, t- together we can cancel COVID. Yuck! 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 yuck. I mean, wow. that's not bad. I like it. Um, yeah, so who who was it that came up with this idea? Do you remember who initially... I think it was... I thought it was you. Well, you've had, you've, you've made your take before. You br- you brought it up on a, I think, a lightning round where because you wanted to make your point of that cancel culture isn't actually a thing. Right, cancel culture um, is nothing. But I think I'm the one who suggested that we go ahead and do an episode about it now a full-length episode about it now because of some of the more recent um, things that have hit the headlines. And and specifically, the one that is top of my mind is the potato head, that conservatives are, I'm not exactly sure, they're pissed off because the potato toy doesn't have a gender in the name, in the brand name anymore. Right, so it's no longer Mr. Potato Head, it's just Potato Head. Right. Conservatives really love a potato dick. It's a... Yikes. I mean, we're just diving right in here because, <laughs> um, like, the absurdity of being pissed off, like, legit, like, almost as mad as they were when the Democrats stole the election, that... <laughs> that... the. And it's not even like anything is changing about the toy. It still comes with the same, like, mustaches and whatevers yeah, and purses like the, and stuff. The idea behind cancel culture is that some outside force comes in and tells you this thing you've been doing, you can't do anymore because we demanded the snowflakes have gotten together and we're a blizzard now and we won't allow you to whatever. Sell well, gender diapers or whatever. If I can just say personally, like, I I conduct myself very carefully around the, the, the audience that I am in front of, but I feel like I have a huge potential for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I like very dark comedy. I like irreverent comedy and things that, like, might might be offensive to some people, might ruffle some feathers, things things that might make people, like, abhorred, morally abhorred, uh, I think they're sometimes pretty funny. Uh, 100%, I'm, I'm the same way. I love the same kind of stuff, and I think, Nathan, you do too, that's <laughs> I'm the guy why who we made the vibe. Highlander joke. I mean, right. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I think we're all on the same page there. And, and I'll, you know, speaking for myself here, but <laughs> historically, I have struggled with that filter. Right. Um, oh, man. I have gone ahead and made the joke and just gave it a shot. And when it didn't land, just 
eat crow. As as um, someone who has been your friend and has done many time. comedic things with you over the years, I can one hundred percent confirm that your concern is very real, Andy. Uh, oh yeah, you, what you, concern? What concern? Uh, uh, that, that you sometimes tell uh, dark jokes that fall flat on their face. That's and, not a concern. <laughs> it's just a fact. Sure, and but I see, like, but I, I certainly do that as well. Like, I I talk about it. I think on the last episode that we released, which we recorded at Christmas. I don't know how it got away from us so far. But, like, I talked <laughs> about how, like, when I was growing up, some of the people I looked up to were into this like really dark, almost insult uh, insult humor, mm-hmm. and like I patterned my personality after these people in a lot of ways, and I made a ton of mistakes. And, like, what that taught me to do was try and, uh, as much as I can, be kind to individuals as much as I can be mean to groups of people, if that makes sense. Well, and, uh, you know, yes, it does, because my comedy, so to speak, <laughs> we'll call it with an asterisk there, <laughs> um, <laughs> has, has, has taken a similar, like, kind of arc trajectory, if you will. Like, I, when I was young... You know, just trying jokes. Whatever struck me as funny, mm-hmm. I'd throw it out there and see if anyone else did. And it's not that the things that I find funny has changed. I think it has, but not that much. It's more that just over the years, a uh, couple decades of, of this process, I've been able to whittle down pretty substantially... <laughs> the volume of jokes that are not likely going to land and which ones might. Right. And there are certainly, and I think you fall under this, uh, <laughs> under this blanket as well, but like there are certainly jokes that I know 100% won't land. And I'm telling them anyway, because the only audience I'm telling them for is me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Fact. Absolutely. Right. So I'm, I'm, more careful. I know that you guys know about like my my slash poll Discord, and we can like get into that too. But like, I I'm not sure that you guys really grasp my Lord power level. <laughs> like, how much of an internet troll I am on the side, not I mean, around you guys. You you always dangle that, but then you don't ever. Because I'm because I'm careful because I don't want to get I don't want to get friendship canceled I guess. But like, I, I grew up around like Opie and Anthony, Jim Norton, Bill Burr, just like really irreverent. And there there is a way to do it carefully that you're you're you don't become right like a like a Mel Gibson like you don't become like who else who else on the list. Um, we have a list up here. The list that you don't is have this, like—is this the list that Hollywood has? The black Roseanne list? that you don't become like a Roseanne. But I, I think that one of the big dividers here that you're seeing is you're seeing a chasm of people who can make offensive, but maybe like liberal sensitive or liberal like friendly value offensive jokes, and then you you've got an entirely different world of people with like offensive conservative value offensive jokes. And I think we kind of have a double standard that's there. Uh, Am I wrong? So I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, we need to determine, like, when we say cancel culture, 
what do we mean? Mm-hmm. So, for example, like, Roseanne Barr tweeted out some racist shit, and she got fired. The thing is, she had tweeted out some racist shit the season before, and she wasn't fired, and I'm sure it was given, like, a stern warning that you can't do this anymore, and chose mm-hmm. to then tweet out some more racist shit. So, like, for me, like, her losing her job is not, that's not an example of cancel culture. That's there being consequences for your actions that were like very clearly laid out for you. So if, if I, uh, here's the way I kind of look at it, um, not to be too reductive, but um, there's kind of two layers to it. There's people who are doing and saying like racist or sexist or misogynistic or uh Islamophobic or anti-Semitic or whatever the case may be kind of stuff mm-hmm. and, and them being held accountable for being hateful and bigoted. And then cancel culture is the part in my mind that, that like the dangling part, the, the people who are, who, who aren't actually, uh, how do you say the wrong, not wrongfully accused, but like, um, what's a good example of someone who people try tried to cancel them, but they, it just didn't like stick. Like, uh, you could argue like maybe like Aziz Ansari or sure Aziz Ansari. I I would say Louis C.K. has pretty much bit it. No, he's lost a lot of popularity. Yeah, you can and say Aziz Ansari is 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 going strong. Right, but Louis C.K. is selling out clubs. Louis C.K. is doing stand up to. Full mm. audiences who are giving him standing ovations. I mean, Louis C.K. I guess like, I'm wrong. But the, that's why, like, this is why determining what canceled means is important because Louis C.K. is not going to have another Netflix deal. Like, that's that's not in his <laughs> that's not in his future. But he's still wildly successful. He's still incredibly rich. He's never going to have to work another day in his life, but can work as many days in his life as he wants. Roseanne Barr is still worth $80 million. You know, like, yeah. these these people, like, and they still have the outlets to to speak. Right, but her, her earning potential was very significantly impacted. Like, you might just say, like, $80 million as an arbitrary number. Like, yeah, that's more than I have. That's more than me and, sure. like, 20 or 30 or 40 of my friends have. But, I mean, that's... You know, her her earning potential over her career was definitely cut short by her tweets. Yes, <laughs> like by yes, her earning potential was cut short by her actions that she was warned not to do and then did anyway. Right, and I want to I want to distinguish like getting getting fired from a job. I don't really have as as big a problem with because of that being the company's free speech. A private company can pretty much do what they want, but they, right. they are going to model what they do after public opinion. What I'm, frankly, more worried about is the court of public opinion that starts immediately when a story breaks and doesn't necessarily care about the same rigor of evidence that a court of law cares yes. about. Sure, sure. The, I mean, news... 
everyone knows the whole story before anyone's done any investigations. The news travels so fast, especially in coming out of a pandemic where people are generally kind of sitting in front of their phones a lot. So did you did you guys hear about this story about the ant from hell? No. Ant so, like insect or ant no, like A U N T. So Okay. This woman goes over to her sister's house and greets her nephew who runs up exuberantly and jumps on her and she falls down and she breaks her wrist. And the way the story goes, the way we heard it from uh like all kinds of news outlets and stuff like that is this aunt then uh, cold-heartedly goes to her lawyer and sues her nephew for her medical bills, for over $100,000 with medical bills. Yikes. Well, so, of course, the internet starts calling her the aunt from hell, and she's followed around by the paparazzi. She doesn't have a moment of peace. And, of course, like, this woman. She's, she's going to sue her nephew for this? Well, it turns out that the actual story is that this is exactly what happens. The, the nephew runs up and she breaks her wrist in this really complicated way that requires quite a bit of surgery. And the best way for this woman to be whole is for her to sue her sister's homeowner's insurance. But the thing is to report one of these, uh, to report a um, an incident, the homeowner's insurance, you need to put down a name. And they had to put down the name of the nephew. So, the, what she was trying to do was just get, like, get her medical uh, insurance, like her medical bills reimbursed, and the only way to do that was to put down her nephew's name. She's still in, like, she still had a great relationship with her nephew. Still went over with a cast and everything like that, and the insurance was able to reimburse her. But what ended up happening was she got canceled in this really awful way by the internet because she turned into a meme and. Different news sources were doing these, like, terrible human interest pieces on her. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of terrible thing that can happen. Or, like, uh, like the other people I think about is, like, think about Monica Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. You know, like, her life was ruined because she had sex with the president. She had sex with a famous guy, and her life was ruined. So in the in the early days of Twitter, there there was a woman. This was like a famous story. There was a woman who like got on a plane to I think it was she was flying to like Africa or something, and um, she got fired before she got off of the plane. Like she had a like Wi-Fi blackout like while she was flying, and she said something insensitive, but she meant it as a joke. It was about like um, she she hopes she doesn't get. I, I should probably fact check this here for for posterity, but it was it was something like um, she she hopes she doesn't get AIDS while she's in Africa or something. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to fact check. At ten nineteen a.m. on December twentieth, twenty thirteen, as she was boarding a long flight to South Africa, Justine Sacco tweeted, "Quote, going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS." Just kidding, I'm white. Before she landed, hashtag has Justine landed yet was trending and she'd been dismissed from her job as a public relations executive for IAC, which owned the Daily Beast, Ask.com, Dictionary.com, and Match.com, as well as others. They called her statements hateful, but added that, 
quote, time and action and the forgiving human spirit will not result in the wholesale condemnation of an individual who we have otherwise known to be a decent person at their core. She's since been rehired by IAC and has worked for several major websites, including FanDuel and World Wrestling Entertainment. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. And uh, it, it was insensitive, but it was one of the first big moments when people were like, oh, this Twitter thing can have real-life consequences. And since then, like, I've been very careful. Like, I don't post a lot on Facebook. When I post on our Twitter for this podcast, I'm squeaky clean. I don't even touch controversial subjects, more or less. Like, I just put out stuff that I think is very approved for our worldview on the podcast that you guys wouldn't disagree with. I don't even touch subjects that I have maybe like a hot take on. Um, I don't even go there. So it's funny that you say that because I have very much the opposite approach, um, uh-huh. <laughs> which is pro- probably insane. But um, so my approach to Facebook is, which is the, uh, I, I don't want to say platform of choice because I actually don't really like it, but it, it's where I have uh, all my friends. Mm-hmm. So functionally, it works the best for me anyway. <laughs> I'll, I specifically post about controversial topics frequently. Um, put my opinion out, ask for other people's opinions. Um and and you guys pulled up one of my Facebook posts when we did the <laughs> masturbation no master debating episode. Oh, we sure did. We sure did. You sure yeah, did. That was my and, idea. <laughs> and I mean, my response. So here's the thing: I do it absolutely intend to run for public office, probably something local, no big deal. At least. You know, if I'm successful, maybe I'll try and go run bigger. But, um, you know, uh, I I have thought about this for many, many years um, about, you know, well, wait, do I want to be posting this stuff? What if I and I just always come to the same conclusion that I'll if, you know, I'll face it head on if it's an if it's a take that I still believe it, I'll stand by it, and if I don't, I'll say, you know what, (laughs) I was young, I was mistaken, I did not understand, and I don't agree with that. So I I just thought of a great episode name, it's going to be called Exhibit A. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll just be you and I going through Andy's uh, Facebook history, (laughs) one one item at a time, and asking him to justify himself. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I, I figure... We'll just call it, we'll call it background check. Background check. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and if I'm going to be in the public eye, I'm going to, they're going to come up, and so I don't really like people, I don't, like, like, look at Cuomo, right? Um, Andrew Cuomo, the, the, uh, governor of New York, right, that's Andrew? Well, I don't know if that's cancel culture, but it's got the same flavor, I guess. Well, he's, yeah, he's had several accusations of sexual assault. He is deny, deny, deny. 
Oh, I didn't even think we were going there. I thought we were going nursing homes and COVID. Oh, no. This is on top of it. Last I checked, he's up to... He was up to seven accusations from different women, and then two more women came forward from his current administration. Mm. Like, no, f*** Cuomo. You're done. Time to resign. You can go ahead and defend yourself if you want. Just do it uh, from your private life, not anywhere near public office. Mm. I mean, certainly, if you're doing it right now, like, yeah, (laughs) you are done. But what about, for example, like, Brett Kavanaugh, right, who... When he was being nominated to the Supreme Court, they brought up a lot of his drinking that he did in college and uh, and sexual assault and rapey kind of charges. Yeah. Uh, I think actually specifically rape charges, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, accusations. Um, sure did. And, and, then they, and then they brought forward a credible witness and then he committed perjury and then became a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, f- that guy. Well, okay, but you can you can say that, but then do you take a completely different tack when it comes to like single female accuser believe women? Uh, you know, there it, it's a story of he said she said. We need to take these stories and make them accountable. What about the woman who made very similar accusations against Biden? Yeah, Tara Reid. I was just gonna. I was. You were about to get there, yeah. No, no, I, well, that's where I was hoping you were going. Yeah, and we've talked about her on the podcast before, and absolutely, her accusation should be taken absolutely seriously. Well, he's he's still president of the United States, and Kavanaugh is still on the Supreme Court. Correct. And uh, my, my beef with Kavanaugh is that he, he's absolutely, absolutely able to defend himself. I have zero problem with that. I think he he deserves that, but he committed perjury under oath during his during his uh, confirmation hearing. Yeah, and what like, did he say? He said like Devil's Triangle was a drinking game. I think was one of the big ones, and people were like, the big ones. "Nah, bro, <laughs> that's not what that boofing." Are you guys familiar with boofing? <laughs> I like you beer. For that. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. You like beer, Senator, or not? Um, what do you like to drink? Next one is Senator. What do you like? Judge, to drink? have you? I don't know if it's boofed or boofed. How do you pronounce that? Judge? That refers to flatulence. We were sixteen. Okay. <laughs> Devil's triangle. Drinking game. How's it played? Three glasses in a triangle. And. You ever played quarters? Okay, it's a quarters game. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my thing. Like, so we could go ahead and, like, the accusations are maybe true and maybe they're not, but we know that he lied under oath while, like, in a job interview for the highest judicial job in the country where he has a lifetime appointment. And mm-hmm. he also showed through his actions and through his attitude that he had not the right attitude to be on the court. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit, fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election, fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. 
this is a circus. You sowed the wind for decades to come. I fear that the whole country will reap the whirlwind. And he got it anyway. So, like, that guy. I like we, we could go ahead and, like, get into whether the accusation was correct or not. But the fact that he lied about it is real bad. It's real bad. And I think the, the Biden case, it's difficult. It's been like people have gone through the accusation and there are definitely a lot of holes in there. But I don't want to be the guy to say this person is lying and this person isn't because I, I don't have that ability. Yeah. Well, I want to say this about about Kavanaugh versus Biden is that it was a certainly a struggle for um, political power, whether it was intended to be or not. I mean, maybe these were very real accusations against Kavanaugh. Maybe these were very real accusations against Biden, but it became a um, we just want to get this guy into power right. for the purposes of our party to maintain our own status quo, to maintain our own power. And so we're going to... Is that Biden or Kavanaugh you're talking about? Well, maybe both. Yeah, I would say. Maybe both. Um, we're, we're going to ignore that because it's going to be politically convenient for us at this moment. And that's worrisome on both counts. Yeah, it would have been had... Um, had Biden faced additional charges of not just being creepy, which he definitely had plenty of those, but like actual sexual assault, that, that would have been very difficult for me to move forward and support him in any way. So, so now you're implying, like, I, I know you maybe are not explicitly saying this, but the implication would be that, that Tara Reid's account was not trustworthy. Because I would say her, the way her, her accusations were very serious. Yes. What I would say is that I don't know. And I think when uh, you have one person come forward, you have a you have a reasonable uh, right to be able to come forward and defend yourself. And like from a practical standpoint, if a thousand people come forward and accuse you of sexual assault, you can defend yourself against each one of those thousand people. However, from a like a standpoint of like where I'm going to give a shit or think that you have any leg to stand on, once a second person comes forward and says, "Yeah, he sexually assaulted me too," that's that's when I you're on your own at that point. Like when you when you have one person coming uh, forward against you, you have the ability to defend yourself, and maybe you're going to get somewhere with that defense. But, like, the reason why I say Cuomo is we're up to nine different women right now, uh, if well, I have my numbers correct. And also, fuck Cuomo, because these are, just in the last few years, he's a very fully grown and mature adult. He knows better, or he should. I think that a lot of things happen when people are young, that um, I think a lot of young people cross lines, that they... I, maybe I shouldn't say that. What I should say is, I know that when I was young, I did not understand. I was still learning boundaries. I was, and I, I mean, I crossed boundaries. It, and, you know, I think that 
the big thing is like there's there's some context to like to to frame it as some someone crossed a boundary but it was a mistake they did not intend to hurt anyone and they took appropriate steps or whatever versus someone who should know better and or someone who does not take responsibility for that crossing that boundary and and apologize and try to make it right those are the two big biggest factors to me is like should you have known better in that situation and how did you move to you know how did you respond well and i think that's i i wouldn't say that i can agree with that decision like yeah like everybody's young sometimes I, and they make dumb decisions but like i think that like speaks directly to like how easily we educate young men in our society 100% like, like you should know from the time you're a little kid that no means no and maybe you're teaching them that constant concept in terms of like not taking cookies away from somebody else or whatever but like by the time you are old enough to be able to make these bad decisions you should have a firm grasp over the fact that I don't care how horny you are. You don't have the right over anybody else's body. Sure. So I, I mean, I'm maybe I mean yes, definitely one hundred percent. We teach young men that no means no, and then out of the other side of our mouths, we teach young girls, young women, to that they aren't allowed to say no. Like that, they have to be subtle or whatever. That they can't stand up for themselves and say, no, fuck you. Right, and teach them from every direction that, like, it's their fault if something happens. From, like, don't dress yeah. that way to how did you act to... Like, I had to yell at my mom on Facebook the other day when she was trying to defend, like, fucking Pepe Le Pew. Like, he's <laughs> a rapist. Like, don't, don't defend Pepe Le Pew. It's, like, we thought rape was funny. Like, that's the whole thing behind his cartoons. So so what, what I'll say about that is that where we are now and where we were like 70 years ago has significantly shifted. And I don't mean that just as like a token, like, oh, times were different. What I mean is like, have you ever heard the song Baby It's Cold Outside? <laughs> right. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's a different, there's a different approach to, uh, you know, relationships between men and women that was like worlds different uh between like you know the the 1940s 50s to today and and part of those changes are that like legitimately you were supposed to push and push and no was like uh you know no was a a like maybe like no could become and I'm not I'm not saying that that's good I'm saying that we're probably in a better place now well, but that's because you... we didn't treat women like full-fledged human beings we didn't mm -hmm. see them as their no meaning the same thing as a no out of a man would mean mm -hmm. right and so, the same thing with people of color like, it, like basically in the past if you weren't a white man it kind of sucked to live in this country. That's hmm. the whole problem and has been the problem. We talked about a million times with the make America great again, because the only people you're making it great again for are white dudes. 
Right. So I have, I have no desire to return to the 1940s, 50s, but I will say that we have people who grew up during that time and we have to deal with those people still. Like, I don't even think that that's a blank check for them. I think that they still need to be held accountable to 2020, 2021 values. Right. Um, but all the same, like, there it is. You know, that's that's how they lived a huge portion of their lives it's kind of hard to change their behavior now. Well, so if I can sort of like move us on to the next step of this, I sure. think, I think cancel culture is a good thing in general. I, I've talked about the ant from hell and clearly in situations like that, I don't approve of it. It's, it's awful. And it is a powerful tool that is chaotic at best and very hard to control. But I think in general, the people who complain about, like, liberals love to call us racist, they complain about that immediately after they've been called racist because they just did some racist <laughs> Like, <laughs> Like, the people who say, who complain about that are generally racists. So I don't have a problem with them having a little bit of cancel culture. Sure, they, there's, a, there's a meme about that that I enjoy along the lines of uh, when they say, oh, we can't... Joke about anything anymore? Just drill down. What what jokes are is are do you want to make that you can't make now? What, tell me the joke. What's the joke you ever? <laughs> is, is that the one where it ends like you know the ones? You know, yeah, you know. That's, that. Like my my favorite my favorite uh, racist joke that like makes everyone cringe when I start to tell it is like <laughs> it's it goes how does every racist joke start? And then it's a visual joke because you have to look over your shoulder on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Like, that's the whole joke. Like, but it makes it's... people wildly uncomfortable when you start to tell it. <laughs> yeah. That's, funny. that's a good um, one. I have another good visual joke for this podcast, if you'd like to see it. Sure. Yeah, you can you can see it if you uh, subscribe to our Patreon.com and <laughs> upload it there. Nice. I will, uh, if, if, if someone subscribes to our patreon i will make a video of myself telling this visual joke well so we we do have a subscriber to our patreon we, we yeah, have well, we'll tim. another one but yeah tim and i also gave him a shout out at the end of the last episode nice and i also want to say like technically technically we are now professional podcasters hell yeah uh, how are you guys uh, going to get me my dollar and thirty three cents exactly? <laughs> well, we Wait, can't it's... withdraw it until it gets to ten. Wow. So next is month it, we can. Way a to doll- poo poo Tim's generous! Like he absolutely did not <laughs> uh, need not... to donate anything to us, <laughs> no, and we, we you're over here mocking it. Genuinely, like I am so so pleased. I. Remember I can't I wait until the, Tim listens to this episode. And... <laughs> sure. I remember when I, when I saw that he had, like, and honestly, like, any amount is, like, hugely appreciated. But the first thing I did is I ran over to Sarah and I was like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, it was so <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it, it's, it, like, it, it warms the cockles of my heart. Wow. Um, Can you say but, that? Uh, am I going to get canceled for it? Probably. But I feel like there's there's an extremely low chance of me getting past this particular segment uh, without getting canceled. <laughs> well, let me let me go ahead. So the the thing I wanted to say was I think intention is incredibly important because 
I don't think people should be canceled forever. Now, this, it depends on what you say. Like, if your problem involves, say, sexual assault or racism or pedophilia or any number of things, I'm good with permanent cancellation. Go get f***ed. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But I do think that intention is very important. And if people go out and make genuine apologies for the things they've done, we've seen these things be reversed. We've, we've seen people who have done awful things get their careers back. And I think that intention and that like genuine uh, apology is very important. And you don't see it out of everybody. And people who you don't see it out of, I don't want them uncanceled. Like, go go off with your $80 million, Roseanne, and stay I don't care. Do you guys remember the Michael Richards thing? <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael yeah. Richards was doing stand-up comedy, and then he was being heckled. And he responded to being heckled by releasing just a whole bunch of N-words. Just a whole bunch of racial slurs. Um, oh, man. So he... I don't know that I've seen him in anything else. He has kind of dropped off the face of Hollywood since then. Um, do you think that if he comes back and apologizes that that he should be back in... I, I believe he has okay apologized. Culture? Well, so, so should he have a, a job again in Hollywood or... I don't think... You don't deserve it. You don't, like... You don't have a right to your earning potential. Like, just because you are were famous at one point. Um, I think what happens is if you give an honest apology for something that you did and people think it's real, then each of those people gets to make a decision of whether they want to look at your stuff or not or support you financially or not or listen to your jokes or not. Like, like if you apologize genuinely, maybe you get the the businesses or the companies back on your side and maybe you get your fans back on your side and maybe you don't but you have at least the ability to be able to get those people back if you are genuinely sorry for the thing you did so i mean who gets to judge whether or not they're genuinely sorry whether you the, do. whether the apology was was sufficient to to warrant giving this person like a job again or whatever yeah no you do i do everybody does I mean, do we do we need to go back to uh, locker room talk after grabbing by the? <laughs> that was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I am a person who has great respect for people, for my family, for the people of this country, and certainly I'm not proud of it. But that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse. Minor words, and his was action. No, but seriously, like. That should have been the end of his campaign, but like people were willing to believe him. I don't understand that belief. I don't. I don't get it. But he he came back and he sort of apologized, and I didn't believe him, and I don't think anyone like rationally believed him. Hmm. I, I don't even know what you're referring to, Donald Trump. No, I I know that. I mean, I don't remember him like ever even remotely apologizing for it. Oh, no, I can, like, I can put something, uh, I'll make sure to put it in the doobly-doo. Yeah. Um, but, no, he, like, he half-apologized and then said, like, and then sent all his, like, little surrogates out there to say, 
oh, he just did what men do in locker rooms, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, like the only thing you hear for a week is locker room talk. And so people chose to forgive him, and those people made individual choices to forgive him. I super did not. <laughs> like, that was not a choice that I made. But those people, those people, like, let him go on with his sexual assault. Like, and so I guess fine. Right. So I, I don't know that, like, the mechanics of it is really, like, where I have a contention because, like, people in a free market should be making their own choices. Like, you choose what kind of TV show you want to support, you choose what kind of movie you want to support, you choose what kind of media you want to support. And of course, the companies that run all of these media outlets, like, they have the choice their on their own to say, like, you're bad for our brand, we're cutting you loose, we don't want you to be a part of this anymore. I, right. So I guess, I guess the distinction that I am making is, like, the fervor, the the political or social hit jobs that are out on people, like, how quickly these things turn into a feeding frenzy. And, like, maybe that's hard to conceptualize. I, I have an example. So very recently, it's it's funny that this episode was coming out because this was only, like, two days ago, and we were planning to do this episode before this came out. But Game Grumps, Dan Avidan, he's, like, one of the two co-hosts of Game Grumps. He's this famous YouTuber, very funny. They do, like, Let's Plays and stuff. But um, so what happened really, really recently with him is he got accusations of being a groomer because he met this girl and was talking and texting to her when she was like 17 years and 11 months, but not sexual texts, not sexting. And then at 22, they had hooked up, you know, they had sexual relations and uh, then like he cut her off completely, just like, you know, very abruptly just like stopped contacting her and this is this is behavior that's existed for a long long time with like famous people or especially like band members um like is you know groupie like you know having relations with groupies um but the the thing is that like people are rushing to cancel him i don't know that like certainly there were no laws broken he is 42, and I he might have been a little bit younger at the time. He might have been, like, 34 when this happened, and she was 22. So, unsavory, I guess, you would call the uh, the age difference. But, like, not anything illegal. And I, I don't think it's even fair to call that grooming. But um, all of a sudden, that becomes, like, you know, number one trending on Twitter is... Dan Avidan because of these accusations and these accusations came about like I think in large part because of sore feelings over the breakup of being used like that and certainly we could talk about like how you know th those kind of relations are maybe kind of parasitic if you have someone who's a fan of you that it's like maybe a power dynamic to to be taking advantage of people who are fans, but I right. don't think that we're talking about pedophilia. No, and I, I think it's interesting because I think from what you're telling me, I would say he's probably an asshole, but like that's not right. enough for me to cancel somebody. Like that's not a reason for me to like stop somebody from like earning a living or like me stop, stop supporting them or anything. 
but like I like given the details, I'd want to like hear more because right. it reminds me of the Aziz Ansari situation where, and I'm not like super interested in getting the details of it, but it sounds like the the woman who accused Aziz Ansari, even from her own testimony basically says that they had a bad date and then they had consensual sex and then she felt badly about it afterwards. Hmm. And that's not that's not a reason for me to cancel someone either. Right. That was and and I believe that the right wing the right wing response to that story had something to do with they said that uh, oh now you can retroactively revoke consent. Yikes. Which is utter nonsense. It's never been a thing. Right. It's part of the bad faith arguments the right makes all the time about this stuff. We, we should keep, like, a list or something. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I've got some people. I mean, let's... No, so, like, Ugh. let's talk about... So, you talked about Mr. Potato Head, right? Like, we were originally going to record this uh, with our good friend... David, who was part of our cult episode, because he has some very particular feelings about Dr. Seuss and the, quote, cancellation of that book by the estate of Theodore Geisel. Like, it doesn't make any sense that the people who published the book chose not to stop publishing it. And conservatives are like, it was canceled, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's... Well, not even... So, the funny thing about Dr. Seuss is Dr. Seuss and Pepe Le Pew seem to be way more of a big deal across political spectrums to the boomer generation than a lot of these other cancel culture headline people. There have been a lot more Democrat boomers upset about Dr. Seuss and Pepe Le Pew than any of the rest. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, because... It's a weird, it's weird, right? Well, because, like, you take these two things as, like, Dr. Seuss is his company choosing not to release certain books that had racist imagery in them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Who canceled it? No, like, nobody... They, the people who released the books chose not to like. Right. Do if that anything, anymore. it's self censor. Right. It's not even censorship. It's just them not doing a thing that they thought was problematic. Like I don't understand <laughs> where the problem that is. And there are there are books that like nine people out of ten have maybe heard of one book or, or, or have haven't heard of any of these books. Like they're, no, they're I, just like, not big books. Right. And like I. I can say there are at least a couple of those books that I remember fondly from when I was a child, but I don't, I don't care. I just like, it's not anything to get yeah. worked up over. And there's never going to be a point. We live in the age of the internet. There's never going to be a point where if you want to get your hands on one of those books that you're not going to be able to find it. Right. Right. And they're not canceling all of Dr. Seuss. They're just canceling the books that have like <laughs> the, the actual racist imagery in it, right? Right, like, but you, you still, still get have... One fish, two fish, you still right? have Republicans... Red fish, blue right. fish. Right, and you still have... <laughs> you still have Republicans out there, like, reading Green Eggs and Ham, like, they want to take away your Seuss. <laughs> like, no, it's not... You, you're they're just making disingenuous arguments. And the thing about Pepe Le Pew is they're not talking about removing the cartoons, they're talking about putting up a 
like bit of explanation before the cartoon starts. Well, so but they're not they're, they're not going to continue that character. Like they they still continue to make like Looney Tunes, Mary Melodies, intellectual properties, and several characters have fallen by the wayside. Like I don't think they do Speedy Gonzales anything anymore. I don't think they do Pepe Le Pew. No. Um. So, um, it's not just that you know you you will buy the old Looney Tunes DVD box set and it'll have a warning in front of it. Like that's fine, but they also will they're discontinuing any new like a new Space Jam would definitely not feature Pepe Le Pew. Well, and I was just thinking about the original Space Jam that did have Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. And I don't think it had the cat in it at all. Like <laughs> I was I, was I think about he this. was just there as a skunk and like I think he, he was smelling a flower things. or something. I forget what his scene was, but fine. What like it's he still Which, did the Pepe Le Pew shtick, but I don't think he was as rapey about it. Right. I think probably it's a good idea not to make new cartoons about your rapist character. I think right. that was probably a good choice on their part. <laughs> uh, th- I mean, so another thing that Republicans don't like to cancel are monuments of Confederate generals. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah, a they different... do love their traitor monuments. Don't I feel like they? that's a different topic entirely, but like we can go there this episode for sure. I, I mean, I don't think so, I don't think so at all. I think they look at it one hundred percent as cancel as part of cancel culture. Absolutely, to the point where the Tennessee legislature, uh, Republicans in Tennessee, are defending a statue of Nathaniel Bedford Forrest, also known as. The guy who started the KKK. Oh, wow. There's a bust of him up in their capital. No. They decided, this is the guy we're going to defend. In fact, the governor signed into law that they're going to keep their Nathan Bedford Forest Day that they have every year to celebrate all of his good deeds, like when he shot fleeing uh, soldiers in the back as they tried to retreat from battle. Real good guy. Real so- good guy. Let me ask you this. So, did he have any positive contributions? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, my research well, into him started and ended with started the KKK. <laughs> I mean, for my own purposes, agreed. Don't totally don't care. But I'm only, I'm curious because this has always been. In the past, anyway, they've always tried to, like, spin it. Justify it, right? somehow. Like, the, oh, it, the, the, um, the Confederacy was about states' rights, right? About their, their, their right to govern themselves. Yeah. Um, Robert Lee was a noble guy who put country over his own personal feelings, or, or not country, but state. See, I knew, I knew you guys and were going to go to Robert E. Lee I, again. And in the in the age of Trump, when conservatives and the right wing has have gotten very very comfortable saying the quiet part out loud, and so now this guy, I wonder if he even has a single like positive thing to his name at all. Well, I think from the perspective of racists and from people who wish the South well, rose again. He has plenty of good things. 
Well, I, not, I, mean, I, I don't know, but I do think it is hard to defend supporting a KKK member hang, like being in the vestibule of the Capitol. Not, not just a member. <laughs> right. And remember, I'm not only the heckler president, but I'm also a client. Grandpappy. I mean, I can go ahead and I'll do a fact check about Nathan Bedford Forrest right here, and uh, we'll see if uh, there's anything good about him, but uh, I'm guessing I won't give a sh no matter what. <laughs> good point. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Now, when I was a baby, Mama named me after the great Civil War hero, General Nathan Bedford Forrest. She said we was related to him in some way, and what he did was he started up this club called the Ku Klux Klan. They'd all dress up in their robes and their bedsheets and act like a bunch of ghosts or spooks or something. They'd even put bedsheets on their horses and ride around. And anyway, that's how I got my name, Forrest Gump. Mama said that the Forrest part was to remind me that sometimes we all do things that well, just don't make no sense. Here we go. Nathan Bedford Forrest was born July 13th, 1821 in Bedford County, Tennessee. Before the war, Forrest made a fortune as a cotton plantation owner, horse and cattle trader, real estate broker, and you'll never believe it, but slave trader. In April of 1864, in what has been called, quote, one of the bleakest, saddest events of American military history, Forrest ordered troops under his command to slaughter retreating Union soldiers, the majority of which were African American. Achilles Clark, a soldier with the 20th Tennessee Cavalry, wrote to his sister immediately after the battle, quote, The slaughter was awful. Words cannot describe the scene. The poor, deluded Negroes would run up to our men, fall upon their knees, and with uplifted hands scream for mercy but they were ordered to their feet and then shot down. I, with several others, tried to stop the butchery and at one time had partially succeeded, but General Forrest ordered them shot down like dogs and the carnage continued. Finally, our men became sick of blood and the firing ceased. Then there's a part where he possibly founded, but certainly was the first leader and grand wizard of the KKK. Under his leadership, the KKK suppressed the voting rights of blacks in the South through violence and intimidation, and just did a bunch of awful shit. In what might be considered possibly a good thing, he attempted to disband the KKK in 1869 as masked men joined local chapters and didn't blindly follow his directions. He thought these masked men were corrupting the original goals of the KKK to violently suppress the rights of blacks. But before you give him any credit at all, you should probably know that also in 1869, six years after the Emancipation Proclamation and decades after the importation of slaves had been outlawed, that Forrest invested in a ship called the Wanderer, known as the, quote, last American slave ship. In an interview, Forrest touted the Wanderer's only 6% death rate of kidnapped African slaves and said that, quote, they were very fond of grasshoppers and bugs and I taught them to eat cooked meat, and they were as good N-words as I have ever had. Nathan Bedford Forrest, absolute piece of shit and modern Republican hero. Anyway, let's get back to the show. 
Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. So, something that I kind of wanted to talk about is there is a sector of entertainment that exists in the edge realm. Um, I'm talking about entertainers like, I mean, Eminem springs to mind, and I'm a huge Eminem fan, but also when my LGBTQ friends say, well, okay, but he drops the bat, the, the F bomb constantly, like, oh my, God, you know, you're right. And <laughs> I can't, I, I got no defense for that. He, it, it's not good. It's not nice. It's a, not a nice word. He did um, hug Elton John on stage, but I'm yes. not sure how much that that really <laughs> I, like excuses a lot of other behavior. No, I, I I understand that they are still friends from what I hear, but like you know, it's like he's but he still is using that word constantly, and he, you know, it's a choice because he also chooses to not use the N word. So you know. <laughs> have to look at that as an active choice that he continues to make. And right, it's... But that's his... The thing is, that's his thing. That's his shtick, is that he is offensive. He says those things that other people aren't okay saying, except for this one line that he won't cross, which I'm glad he doesn't. Um, but... But, like, for me, like, his job, he's a professional communicator. He, like, that's that's what he's doing with his music. And so, if he's making a choice not to say one word, mm-hmm. but saying another, it shows mm-hmm. that he has a certain level of respect for one community and no respect for the other. So, by his own standards, he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue well, with that. As, he's like, as, so, as people who, like, may or may not have used that growing up, like, I know it's maybe, like, kind of trashy, but, like... You know, there are words that you say, and this is going to be, like, a, an overall bad take, but there there are words that you say on the playground to denigrate your friends, and there are words that you that you don't. And when, when you call somebody an F-word, I don't even know that you're really trying to say that they are, like, homosexual by choice. I think sure, you're trying to I say think, something right, no, else. No, OSCK has a whole bit about that. Right, and it was... It was kind of clever. I like I like the bit because it talks about the the context. And I used that word when I was younger. And then after a while, I felt awful for having used that word because yeah. I was fifteen. You know, like <laughs> it's not about whether you like are able to use it at one point and then realize that you're wrong and stop using it. It's that he's still using it now, right? And but he like he appeals to her. like a a certain like trashy. Like, uh, he is, like, a, the trailer park guy. Like, he grew up in a poor part of Detroit, and his his mannerisms and the way that he communicates is trying to reach an audience of those, you know, uneducated, poor, white, trashy people. Like, I don't even think that that's a particularly controversial stance to say that he is communicating a, like, a white trash message that resonates with that audience you know has he ever spoken about this before has he ever like talked about using the word before we can fact check that i'm sure we i, I will go ahead easily he, <laughs> either 
Uh, you will hear this audio, and I will have fact-checked it, or I will have fact-checked it and not found anything, and then I will remove all of this question out of here. So you won't have ever heard this audio. <laughs> Maybe in the flintel. Mini fact-check. In September of 2018, Eminem talked to Sway of Sway in the Morning about his album Kamikaze, his beef with Tyler the Creator, and using the F-word to refer to him on what the kids call a diss track. At what point do I have to say something just to defend myself? And I think that the word that I called him on the album was on that song was one of the things where I felt like this might be too far because in my in my the homophobic in my quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my quest to hurt him, mm-hmm. I realized that I was hurting a lot of other people by saying it and at the time i was so mad it was just whatever but in the midst of everything else that was going on on this album and the things that it took to pull this album together and all that kind of shit it was one of the things that i kept going back to going i don't feel right with this before the album came out i had the conversation with paul and we spun the word back but now i realize people can hear what i'm saying anyways so take that how you will fact check you know i think and and he's a you know a musician but he's an agitator in that way and 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 to nathan's point like he he chooses his words he chose a set of words that are available to him he chose to exclude some and include some and it was a choice and that's he i you know he he certainly leans into that choice he does not back down Uh, but there's a lot of other people like, um, I think also in comedy, there's a lot of people who fit this category. You've got, I mean, Anthony Jeselnik is one of my favorite, was one of my favorite comedians for a long time. I kind of don't have as much of a stomach for it anymore. Daniel Tosh, I think is possibly a bigger name. And I mean, the, the, the king of course is George Carlin. Right. But Carlin, Carlin did things in such a way as to like not isolate a particular group he did it in such a way as to be kind of just like a general misanthrope instead mm-hmm. of instead of taking a subjugated group and increasing their subjugation you know you could call, you could call him the uh, Tucker Carlson of his day uh, no you could not, not really no <laughs> T- no T- okay no, Tucker Carlson the, the will is, take. Please, please don't say that name on this podcast ever again. Uh, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag cancel Tucker Carlson. Yeah, every it. all the screw cool podcasts are doing Tucker Carlson episodes, so we're gonna have to do one at some point. But the thing is, <laughs> George Carlin was a professional communicator, just like Eminem, just like a lot of entertainers, and he knew how. Like he had reasons for using the words he used, um, and he knew when to not do things. So we were talking about before the podcast started, George Carlin on September 9th and September 10th of 2001 recorded a special called, I kind of like it when a lot of people die. (laughs) Like the day before September 11th, George Carlin records, I kind of like it when a lot of people die. He spent 18 months, two years developing this special spent a ton of money recording and everything like that. And you know what he did? He stuck it in a drawer because he was a professional communicator 
And he knew that there was no way that he could release that material after what our country had just gone through. And like, that's, that's how, you know, like I, I think intention is incredibly important. And so if I read an article about Eminem feeling bad about using that word, I'm good. If, if you're working towards not being a piece of shit, then I want to support that. I want to go ahead and make sure that you have a path back to credibility. Well, I, it has to also line up with your actions. Give me an A. 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 Give me a D. B. What's that spell? Ad. Okay, okay, okay. We're still working out the ad music a little bit, but I'm sure I'm going to have it any week now. Anyway, uh, here's an ad for the Geek Peak podcast. We talk about them elsewhere in the episode, but they sound super fun. They've been very nice to work with, so uh, go ahead and check them out. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek Peak podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so come hang out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. All right, back to the show. So if there's if there's a person that I think like maybe shouldn't have gotten canceled who did recently, we we haven't really talked about Gina Carano. You think she shouldn't have gotten canceled? I don't think that she should have. So what she said was insensitive. What she said was politically charged um, and ignorant. I think maybe we should have like taken a step back and said like, "Hey, Gina, this is wrong. You know, can you lay off?" But I don't think that Disney making their own... I mean, they obviously can make whatever choice that they want, but I don't think that they made the right choice. I think they were heavy-handed in this. I think that they were appeasing the public. And look, I mean, somebody who had said that exact same thing about liberals being persecuted in the U.S., I don't think that that would have been approached the same way. Well, so this, this wasn't her first time. Uh, she, uh, people had called for her to be fired, um, right after, uh, the election because she posted fake news about the election being stolen and Disney warned her, you can't do that. And they stood by her along with her co-stars and made sure that she kept her job. And then what she was fired for is a picture of Jews during the Holocaust running away from Nazis. And it says, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighborhoods hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? Right. And I, I don't think that that is a bad enough take 
that she needed to be fired for. Like, obviously, Disney has to protect its own brand, and they have their choice of who do they want to represent their company, who do they want to be a public face, and I think it's stupid what she did. I, If it were me, I wouldn't be saying those things, or if I was going to say those things, I would not tie that to my personhood, like, to my name that is famous you know like there's there's a certain when you're a celebrity there's a certain amount of like this represents me that goes into your social media because the other choices you could have just made a completely anonymous social media account and said all of the same things but i'm worried that like you know we're we're persecuting wrong think you know we're we're saying that if you are going to be in successful in america today you can only think a certain way. Where's where's the room for discourse? Where's the room for correcting her? You know, having having a conversation. Like, no, we're gonna fire you for for thinking the wrong thing. That seems like a slippery slope to me. Maybe that's a bad take, but so I have a couple thoughts. Um, first, actually, a few thoughts. I'll I'll say more than just two. Um, so. I actually, I don't wholly disagree with Pat. Um, I think, I mean, and I hadn't actually heard or read the tweet before. Um, so hearing it, I, I actually kind of a little bit changed my mind a little bit about that part. I think what I heard there was a dumb, dumb take. Sure. Sure, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a great take. But I, there wasn't anything, that, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in this, but nothing jumped out to me specifically as anti-Semitic. So maybe, uh, so uh, to to take devil's advocate here, she she maybe could be construed as belittling the horror and trauma that Jews went through in World War II by saying like conservatives today have it just as bad. So that, I mean, that is belittling that experience in a way. I suppose so. That's fair. There's there's another incident from September where she was under fire for making fun of trans people and their pronouns where she changed her pronouns on her Twitter bio to beep, bop, boop. And so, like, that's that's why, like, Yikes. I think what this was... That was when she lost me. Right. So, the thing is, this was not one incident. It was a no. series of incidents, and I think she was egging Disney on. I think Disney made their point perfectly clear, and they wanted to get rid of her because she was just more trouble than she was worth. And comparing, comparing the plight of Jews during the Holocaust to conservatives in America was a really good reason to do that. So, I mean, I don't know if we want to really get into this, but um, there have been incidences of, like, Antifa violence against somebody, like, just wearing a Make America Great hat. Like, there was a guy that got um, a brick thrown at him, and I don't know what wound up happening with him medically, but, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a one-to-one comparison, but there, there has been violence against people just based on their political beliefs. Um, 
I don't I don't think that that's I don't think that that's the same. Also, I think we have been building and building the Holocaust comparison for a long long time and it has been getting more and more I don't want to say overused because uh, whatever, but we tend as a culture to kind of just escalate things. We we in our minds, we fall down that slippery slope a little bit. We see, we look at like, where's this going to end up? And we see like the end of civilization in, in so many things. And so a lot of stuff gets compared, you know, uh, I mean, Trump regularly was compared to Hitler for like five solid years. I mean, kind of, but no, I don't think he was like, I, I, I don't know who you're talking about because what, what Trump was is, I'm I'm talking about, I'm talking about people like the the users, the social media users. Not like I guess the- I saw conservatives say all the time that Trump was compared to Hitler. What I didn't see was Trump being compared to Hitler. I, I did. I did. Oh, I did. I did. No, that was that was a real thing that existed. Maybe you didn't get exposed to it. It was all over the place. I mean, I was <laughs> I was there for it. I was there for all of it, all four years. And I'm not saying it didn't happen at all. It certainly didn't happen in a widespread way. It certainly didn't happen uh, with mainstream media or with the Democratic Party or with anyone who I would give whether they said that stuff. Do, or not. do you mean, remember Kathy it, Griffin posing with a dead Donald Trump head? Sure. Like that was a, is a bad joke. I, I have trouble caring. Like that's that's fine. She she certainly didn't. Did she get canceled? Oh yeah, so she like, she super got fired for that. Um, I think that she also probably got interviewed by Secret Service because Secret Service like investigates no matter how small or how big any threat that's on a public official, especially the president of the United States, gets like you'll get interviewed <laughs> by the Secret Service. Right. And so my thing is, I, I want to go back for a second to talking about like Antifa throwing a brick at. Trumpers, like first of all, Antifa's not a thing. It's like an ideology. It's like saying an environmentalist threw a brick at somebody, which is fine. Maybe they were, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not a group you can really join. But the other thing is, like, good. If somebody threw a brick at somebody, arrest that person. We're we're gonna have to di- We're gonna have to dissect that Antifa take in a longer episode because I'm not sure about that. So it might be a decentralized group with spread out leadership. Like it might be not an organization in that sense. So Antifa is not an organization. It's an ideology. And I, the way I know this is because FBI director, Chris Ray told us that in September of last year, we look at Antifa as more of an ideology or a movement than an organization. Uh, To be clear, we do have quite a number of properly predicated domestic terrorism investigations into violent anarchist extremists, any number of whom self-identify with the Antifa movement. And that's part of this broader group of domestic violent extremists that I'm talking about. But it's just one part of it. We also have the racially motivated violent extremists, the mm-hmm. militia types, uh, and others. It's not a group. Okay, that's not that's not the same thing as Antifa doesn't exist, though. And, and violence by an Antifa member isn't violence by an Antifa member. Like, that's that's still a thing. Fine. It's the same as saying, like, a liberal threw a brick at him or an environmentalist threw a brick at him. It doesn't, like, it's sure. not a group of people. They don't have roles. They don't have leadership. They're just 
a, a mushy group that, that sure, maybe you share that ideology, but you're not, like, it's not like being a Boy Scout or something. I, I, I disagree, but I don't want to bring the podcast to a full stop over whether Antifa is a group <laughs> or not, so we'll, we'll just go. Sure. But, so, here's the other thing about Gina Carano is, uh, if your version of getting canceled is losing your job and then immediately being hired as the lead in a major motion picture, then I guess that's cancel culture. Didn't you say it was I a mean, Ben Shapiro flick? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's going to be a shitty movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Is that a major motion picture? Maybe like I feel like that's a step down from Disney Studios Mandalorian. But, <laughs> right. You know. But again, she doesn't like she doesn't have the right to any level of a job. She doesn't get to have like a job that is equivalent to her old job. No, I'm yeah. To be clear, she certainly hasn't been canceled. She's still in the public eye. If anything, she's in the public eye way more than she was before she got fired. I've seen her do tons of interviews, and she has a new job. Like she hasn't been canceled from. Sh- she just doesn't have her old job anymore. Right. I I am not criticizing Disney's right to do what they did and the right that they have to fire somebody. I'm questioning their decision to fire somebody. So take that for what it's worth, I guess. I mean, yeah, like I, I think that she had already done like enough that a, a third strike kind of like, I get it. I, and as far as Disney's concerned, you get to hire and fire whoever you want. Sure. I mean, I that, agree with that. right. Within, like, I, I mean, within a range, or you know, and with, I get to criticize it and say that's a decision. With it. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, and you're and sure. and you're right. You absolutely do get to do that. And I think, I, I think we're going to have to start wrapping up pretty soon. But one thing I did want to talk about is I hate this idea that people are people are silenced uh, from being able to express their opinion. Because I think having the opinions is like one of the fundamental rights of being an American. You get to be a loud dumbass as much as you want. The The thing is, what's what's the quote? Your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. Mm-hmm. Like, Something like that. So you get to go ahead and say whatever you want and not go to jail. I think how many times have we heard conservatives conflate free speech with this cancel culture bullshit Mm -hmm. because what free speech does is it says you can say whatever you want and not go to jail. End of list of things you get to do. (laughs) Like you're right. You're not going to keep like necessarily keep your job. You're not going to keep your friends. You can't stay on Facebook necessarily. You don't get to break the like terms of use on the different services you joined. Right. What it's you not need to do freedom is not from all repercussions. It's just freedom from the government's right. repercussions. Right. And that's that's what conservatives expect. <laughs> At least like, from from what we've heard from Republican leadership and a good chunk of people on the Facebooks and whatnot. So I'm it's this idea of free speech is I get to say whatever I want, I get to do whatever I want. And there are no consequences. And we saw that in full force on January 6th. Right. So people felt like they had this justification to commit terrorism and not have any consequences. 
Well, and they're now facing sedition charges. So I'm I'm worried that there is a shutdown in communication, though. Like, if we are going to say that, like, Twitter, you can just knock out, uh, you know, whole swaths of people, like, for having the wrong political speech, or we're going to knock them off of Facebook, or we're going to knock them off of YouTube, like, we're going to cancel Alex Jones... He can't participate in YouTube anymore. At what point are we going to worry about not being able to have a dialogue? At what point are we going to worry about not being able to have rational debate? Is there even value to having a rational debate? Like, are we abandoning the idea that talking to each other can change people's minds? If you have, so, if you have somebody that yeah. believes in like all the QAnon conspiracies. Are you still trying to, like, save that person by reason? Are you still trying to communicate with that person in order to change their mind about these things? Or are we going to write you off as a hopeless case and just ban you from social media where you might get even more, like, echo-chambered and radicalized and then you might come out and commit an act of violence or, like we saw with the Capitol riot? Like, I don't know, how much... How much value do we assign to that ability to debate each other? Well, if people want to stay in the conversation, all they have to do is follow the goddamn terms of service. Like, they're not being kicked off because they wrote hashtag mega. They're being knocked off because they agreed to certain terms of service before they joined the platform. And then they were given three warnings. Like, you're, you don't get, like, banned permanently right away. You have three different times that your account is, I think you get a warning and then you get three suspensions of like each one longer and longer and longer. So by the time you've been banned, you knew full God well that what you were saying was going to get you banned from this service. Right, but we're, and we're willing to let the arbiters of that be tech giants. Like that could be, that could be good or that could be bad. Right. Well, so, but that's, that's free speech though. I but mean, I am assuming that you guys are going to join Donald Trump's new social media platform, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. No, but that's like, like either we're in favor of free speech and we aren't, or we aren't, and that's Twitter exercising their free speech and who they allow to use their platform. We can have an entire separate episode about Section 230 and the reforms that need to happen to that. Um, for listeners who may not know, Section 230 refers to the... 26 words that invented the internet or created the internet. Um, so it's the rule that has to do with, um, who, with a platform being responsible for what individual users post. Hmm. Right. And Donald Trump wanted to overturn that platform. Yeah. Uh, or overturn that rule, uh, to try and punish platforms that he didn't like. But I, he, so I want to say, do a lot of fascist things. Right. Though. I do want to say one other thing, and the answer is no. I don't want to engage with people who aren't having good faith arguments. If if conservatives want to show up on public forums and bring facts and bring logic and go ahead and participate in good faith, then I am 100% all for it. And that's how I spend my spare time, like a ridiculous amount of my spare time. But if your if your answer to 
where's your proof? Where's your evidence is, oh, you know, it's true. Or posting bullshit that you know is bullshit or not accepting facts when they're put in front of your face. I don't know how to have a conversation with that person. And I don't think that there's probably any benefit to it. So I, I don't know how to bring these people back from the brink when they like don't want to come back when they shovel bullshit in their mouth with both hands as fast as they can. I just, I, I don't like, I, I've been trying for years and I've had zero effect. I like for a while, I thought I was having some effect and now in retrospect, I don't think it's, it's really working. And I don't know. And I've, I've tried to like, I've tried to be nice. I've tried to be respectful. I've tried to show facts. I've tried to like do every different thing I can. And I, I just don't know how to do it. So right. I think any conservative that wants can, to show up and have a good faith conversation and prove me wrong, I would love that. If I can maybe try to give you maybe a glimmer of hope, like I kind of feel like the cult is the fringes of the cult are, are flaking off. And as it starts to lose critical mass, I think it will start to lose its pull over the Republican Party and start to bring them a little bit more back to reality. I don't believe that at all, but I maybe (laughs) I'm trying to stay hopeful here. Right. I mean, just briefly. I mean, I'm I'm just not so willing to shut down the conversation. I I think it's better to air out some of that dirty laundry and get it out in the open and criticize people's ideas, even if only one in a thousand, even if only one in 10,000 will sit down and listen to your reasoning. I mean, that's one person that maybe like has never heard those, those arguments before has never heard that reasoning before. I'm here for it. I I would love that, but I don't see it. And the party who embrace the lie regularly lies they they lie to their base and assume they're idiots and they've they've taught them they've they've turned them into pavlov's dog whenever like they hear trump's bullshit they start salivating and i just i i don't know we need to find a way back from that and i don't know that there's a way back now so I do think we we are sort of up against it and having to bring this thing in for a landing. The the last thing that I wanted to bring up was um, the novel uh, The Scarlet Letter. Uh, it's by Hawthorne. It's um, it's about uh, shaming in like early Puritan society, and I mean it is a novel, but so it's not like a historical document. Um, but what it's about is uh, a woman who has a child out of wedlock and is forced to wear like a red A for the rest of her life as a punishment in this like Puritan Ma- Massachusetts Bay colony. Um, and it's it's about how we use shaming in order to like move the values of society. And so like, um, I, th- I think that what we're doing with cancel culture, we are seeing public shaming. And I think that that can be used for good. And I think it can be used for ill. 
um, maybe you maybe you only see it as a net positive, um, and I would I would forgive you for for taking that interpretation um, because I th I think that you do see usually like a measured response, like you said, a lot of the people who get canceled over petty stuff they wind up bouncing right back, like, they still have a career, you know, it doesn't take them long, um, but, I mean, I think we need to be worried about the direction that we're pointing it in. I think I totally, 100% agree with that. So, if I can, uh, I, I want to share sort of a um, personal story that relates to that, um, which is... So, um, when I was roughly, I think, 21, um, I was not entirely forced, but basically, uh, situationally forced to get sober, um, joined AA, and as part of that AA process, um, as listeners may or may not know, uh, is... First, taking an inventory, a personal inventory of people that I had wronged while I was acting like an alcoholic, um, so to speak. And um, and then going around to those people and, and apologizing to them and trying to make it right. And it was a long, arduous process, but I think one of the most... You could call it shame. You could call it humbling. I think that those are sort of two sides of the same coin. And I think that that was, for me in my life, my in my personal, like, that was a huge turning point for how I looked at my interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really made me stop and think about how I had been treating other people and how I would like to treat them going forward. Um, and so I don't think that shame is necessarily a bad thing. I think that it is, um, you know, there are hard things that deserve feeling shame over. Mm. And I should point out that the, the ending of Scarlet Letter, I mean, spoilers for a book that's like, you know, hundreds <laughs> of years old. Uh, it was in 1850 it was made, so not quite hundreds, but over a hundred years old. Um, the, the novel, you know, there's, there's the shame and she wears the, the scarlet letter for the rest of her life, but life goes on, you know, people start to come up with different reasons for her to have the a, like for, for it to stand for instead of adulterer for it to stand for able, you know, it's, it's about life moving on after this shame even though even though the letter continues and she still wears it for the rest of her life. So, I mean, it's maybe sort of a hopeful message, a little bit. Well, I don't know. I think in our case, we might eventually be able to get to the A standing for Precious Moments. There, there's no A in Precious Moments at all. Crab. <laughs> there can eventually, be if you just try a little Precious Mammants. Yeah, there we go. That's it. What? yes Mammants. Just delete all of this. 
This is absolute audio garbage. Sorry, I have to go there. <laughs> what I the think, yeah, is happening? Yeah, I think precious moments is probably the way to go. Precious moments. So, I have a little bit of a... I've been uh, sitting on this for a little while, uh, but I have a precious moments that I put in our Discord a few weeks ago. Dang, I posted this over a month ago. So, uh... I have a precious moments that I post to our Discord uh, February 15th of 2021 that I want to tell you guys the story about. So about a month ago, a little over it, apparently, our microwave died. We have one of those. It's not like normal microwave that you just put on your counter and like that every college student has. It's like over the range and it has a vent in it and all this stuff. Mm. And we were looking to buy like... Are we going to call an electrician and try and get it fixed? Are we going to buy a new one? Because, like, the microwave is already, like, a dozen years old, so it's probably time to put it out the pasture. So eventually we decide to buy a new microwave, to which I always need to get a good deal. Like, that's my thing. I always, like, I hate spending money, but if I feel like I got a bargain, I can at least deal with it. So I found this microwave at Best Buy that I could go pick up in a few days because I didn't want to not have a microwave for a long time. So one thing, I, I want you guys to know, like, the Amazon boycott for me, it hurts. I love I love Amazon. It's it's a good, good, easy place to buy stuff. And if they stop union busting, I look forward to shopping with them again. But one of the things they're very good at is having a bunch of reviews for any given, like, very specific object. And so I decided I'm going to go to Amazon, I'm going to look up this microwave, and I'm going to see what people have to say about it. And the first thing I always do is, because there are a million five-star reviews for everything, if it's got four and a half stars, uh, four and a half stars and several thousand reviews, I'm going straight to the one-star reviews. I want to see what the people who hated it had to say. And some of it is like, it didn't get to me on time, or like, I didn't like the microwave because it's the wrong color, or like, whatever, like stupid, <laughs> stupid bullshit that like, doesn't affect whether the microwave works or not. But what I posted on February 15th was a review in the one star reviews of my microwave that I loved. So it's a review uh, from Anil1. He gave the quality of the microwave a one. Uh, the value of the microwave one, but the ease of use he gave four out of five. So apparently it was very easy to use, even though it was a terrible value and terrible quality. And what he what he wrote was quote dishes doesn't dry completely. <laughs> well, you, you got to read the whole thing. You got to read the whole thing because. He, just makes it make yeah. less sense. Uh, dishes doesn't dry completely is the subject line. We tried all available mm. options, but still dishes doesn't dry completely. No, I would not recommend this to a friend. <laughs> so I decided to buy this microwave in spite of the fact that it does a terrible job of drying the dishes. Oh, man. <laughs> So that's uh, not the intended use of that product. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> so that is, that's been a precious moment I've been hanging on to for a while because it's like, it's a joke just for Nathan. Because if I hadn't been trying to buy that specific microwave, 
And if I hadn't sorted through like the 30 or 40 one-star reviews that you need to click on like three or four pages deep to get to, I would not have found Anil One's very, very good, very helpful uh, review. And zero one. Uh, it's A N I L the number one. Anil one. So if you want to, not anal. Nope. Anal. No, no judgments though. I'm not looking to yuck anybody's yum. Yeah, no. Th- thank you for bringing that into our lives. Um, another <laughs> thing that I want to bring into all of our lives, uh, I discovered recently. It's um, the Scatman slow four hundred percent video. Um, we can put a link in the doobly doo. It's a it's a YouTube video, and it's very simple. They've just taken the the audio from Scatman, the '90s song. And slowed it down 400%. And I died for about five minutes when I watched this. I'm going to put about 15 seconds of it in right here. Because I also died. <laughs> like, this is what I want played at my funeral. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a treasure. Um, if you haven't experienced it, you you need to, to hear the whole thing. Uh, I'm sure this 15-second clip is going to be great. Um, but uh, also, just real quick, I wanted to say uh, thanks again to Tim and then uh, for, for supporting us on Patreon. And then also thanks to Geek Peak Podcasts who we want to do an ad swap with soon and are very sweet people. And uh, you should check them out as well. Oh, they, they drink beer while they review things. I mean, yeah, I it's, think it seems pretty entertaining. It's, it's a great time. So yeah, they'll, they'll get a new beer, like a beer of the week or something. And they'll, they'll drink the beer and do kind of a, a review of it. Um, they, they most recently did uh, the Snyder cut and then a India Pale Ale that's called Lightsaber. I think it's like Lightsaber <laughs> Ale. Those two um, things don't go together at all. That's not even the same no, universe. But um, it's great content. It's very entertaining. And it seems like they have a fantastic time doing it. I love entertainment where it seems like, you know, people are having a great time doing it. And it uh, like they, it seems like a good gig. <laughs> I'm glad that they're, that they're having fun. Right on. Well, my precious moment um, is also something that I had uh, stumbled across several weeks ago. Um, it looks like March 7th. So That's my sister's birthday. weeks ago. Lexi, friend of the pod, Lexi's birthday. Oh, hey, March yeah, 7th. shout out Lexi for, for doing I mean, a I bunch mean, of social media three... stuff for us and doing our <laughs> vegan episode. Yeah. And for having a birthday three weeks ago, hey. which would probably be like five weeks ago. Happy, happy belated. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, 
there's an article that we'll throw in the doobly doo, but I'm gonna. It, it's it's pretty well, I think, uh, encapsulated in this in this meme that I have along with it. So that's what I'm gonna read. Um, so apparently, Mexican shamans began to use Coca Cola in their rituals, in their religious rituals, to heal worshippers. Pepsi found out about that. <laughs> And started offering commissions to shamans to use Pepsi instead of Coca-Cola. This is a really weird ad campaign. <laughs> right. So then Coke started competing. And eventually, rival religious groups formed based on which soft drink they used. Oh, no. It was known as the Cola Wars. Was this post-cocaine? Uh, in the Coca-Cola? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Well, well, Alright, great. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know much about like the Coke product and when they stopped putting cocaine in there, but like... Uh, it's, it's modern enough if Pepsi it, like caught on and started... Yeah, I think like, Pepsi is post-Coke. Post like, this is recent. Yeah. This is recent, yeah. Um, so reminds oh, me of the, the Great Emu War. Do you know that the Emu Wars in Australia? Um, it was actually an emu victory. <laughs> Have you guys heard about this? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The emu, the emu yeah. wars in, in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> I, but they were a big deal. Now, now you're gonna have me thinking about the emo wars, where like our mascara is better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, a line from this article. In the United States, Coke and Pepsi vie for monopoly contracts with schools and universities. In Chiapas, the stakes in the soft drink war are, are as high as the purity of one's soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty wild. I, I know, like, uh, on Reddit, the Hydro homies are going to have something to say about this because they just push water drinking for everything. Mm. They, they... I, I do try to stay hydro. Oh, hydro homies sounds dope. I've never heard of that. I'll put a link in the doobly doo. You can you can check it out when the episode comes out. Awesome. Well, this is this has so, been fun. I mean, I don't know that we've really uh, gotten to anywhere. I still think culture uh, cancel culture is nothing. Uh, but I I feel like I have a better view of where you guys are coming from now. I mean, yeah. There's there's plenty of people with pitchforks to be accounted as well, but. I think there's nothing wrong with just society moving and, you know, progressing and deciding that some things aren't going to be okay. I think as, lo as long as there are bored people with Twitter, I think that what we're seeing is less of like a moral movement and more of a bored people with nothing to do movement. I think that is not incorrect. <laughs> and on that note... I don't know about you, but my favorite tweet of all time was, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. <laughs> I hope we give you something to think about this week. Love you, bye! Bye! We have 223 Twitter followers. What's our Twitter handle again? Beat a dead source. It's a dash under, or dead underscore source. Also, like, rate, and review us on iTunes, or find us on Facebook. 
If you want to be like Tim, go ahead and find us on Patreon. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be Tim? Thanks, like, King Tim. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I think we're we're thinking of putting out a mini episode on Patreon just about how much we like Tim. That's true. <laughs> we should do we should just do an episode about it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well we should talk we should talk All to right. Tim on it. I like the idea of the the mythical Tim that we don't like we don't really know about him. I, I want to talk about Tim the same way like ancient people talk about the sun gods. <laughs> so far I don't think anybody's gonna get cancelled from this episode.